of the Lord from Exodus 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. The word of the Lord. So now, our Father and our God, we pray that you would take this word of yours, which is true and which is right and which is good, and we pray you would speak it to us that we might receive and believe and trust and wait in hope. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. You guys may be seated. If you haven't already, I would ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus in chapter 5 that Suzanne just read for us. Uh, we're working our way through the book of Exodus here at Redeemer. Our, our series is entitled Our God Saves. And I, and I just want to make a plea with you. Um, just 
remember that, that we started this series not just so we could talk about it on Sunday morning. But we started this series because we wanted the story of what God has done in the book of Exodus to shape who we are. We want this truth to meet us and to shape us. So it's not just so that we can say, oh, I, I get it, I understand. But it's so that we can say, the Lord is shaping me and causing me to live by faith and by hope and by endurance and by obedience in a way that I never have before. So guys, if that's going to happen, I would just ask you, would you make a place in your day-to-day, week-to-week life for the book of Exodus? If we're not reading it, if we're not prayerfully listening to it and prayerfully considering it, It's not going to shape us. It's not going to change us. God meets with us in his word. So I don't want to necessarily prescribe exactly what that looks like for you and your family, but but I just want to plead with you, plead with you to make a space for the book of Exodus in your life and make a space for the book of Exodus in your family because I believe that's how God's going to shape us and mold us and move us. So as our our journey through the book of Exodus continues, today we come to chapter 5. And here's here's what we're going to see in this chapter. The work of God in a fallen world unfolds on God's timetable. The work of God in a fallen world unfolds on God's timetable. Which means faithful obedience requires waiting on God to do the work that God must do. Faithful obedience requires waiting on God to do the work that God must do. That's what we're going to see in this passage. So let's look at it together and let's wrestle with it. So if you want to take notes, the first point is afterward. And in a very creative way, this comes from the very first word of the chapter. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. So so this first sentence of Exodus chapter 5 points us backward. Because frankly, Moses and Aaron are doing quite a bold thing. They're walking into the presence of, of one of the most powerful men on earth at this time, a man who viewed himself as deity, and they're saying, hey, Israel, your slaves, that free labor, let them go. Let them go and worship the Lord. Now, now, why, why are they doing this? And this word afterward calls us to understand and to remember the work of God that's gotten them to this point. First, God appeared to Moses. This is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush and calls upon Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt. Rather, calls upon Moses to be God's instrument by which he will deliver Israel from Egypt. Second, chapter 3, verse 13, 
God reveals his nature and his character and his name to Moses. He says, I am the God who is, the God who exists, who always has been and always will be. I am the God who will be with you. And then third, God promises to Moses success on this mission. Fourth, God provided Moses with miraculous signs that he could show as a proof that he had been sent by God. This is in Exodus chapter 4. And then fifth, God provided Moses with his brother Aaron to help him speak to Pharaoh and interact with Pharaoh and with the people. So God and or Moses and Aaron end up in front of Pharaoh making this appeal because God appears to Moses God calls Moses, God reveals himself to Moses, God promises success to Moses, God provides miraculous signs to Moses, and then God provides Aaron as a mouthpiece to help Moses in the mission. So Aaron and Moses are in front of Pharaoh because God is going to do a profound work for his people through them. Not only that, But the mission, I'm using the word mission to encapsulate this this entire work that God has laid before Moses and Aaron. The mission has begun with resounding success. First, Moses must ask his father-in-law Jethro for the freedom to return to Egypt, and it is quickly granted to him. Second, Moses must meet, find and meet his brother Aaron and ask for his help in the task And God sends Aaron to Moses, and Aaron joyfully joins Moses in the mission. Third, they must meet with the people of Israel, tell them of God's plans, and Moses' place in the plans. And they go and do this, and it's a rousing success. It feels like revival breaks out. Exodus chapter 4, verse 29, And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord, with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worship. So this work that God's given to Moses, God has called him, God has prepared him, God has sent him, God has equipped him, and it begins with a rousing success. Jethro, all means you may go. Aaron, here I am. Let's go do this together. The people of Israel, praise the Lord. He's heard our cries. Let's worship him. Now, all that's left, and I'm doing air quotes here on all, all that's left is to go to Pharaoh and ask him to let the people go. So Moses and Aaron, at the beginning of chapter 5, stand before God, excuse me, stand before Pharaoh, sent by God to speak the word of God and carry out the mission of God. And thus far, it has gone really well. And so the, the afterward That that one word is intended to to call to us and say, God works for his people. God works for his people. God will carry out the work which he is doing through 
his people. And the afterword is a reminder that all that's unfolded is God moving his people down his timeline in his place for his glory. But we move from a remembrance of God's faithfulness quickly to disappointment. And that's the second point here, disappointed. Because what transpires between five, chapter 5, verse 1, and chapter 5, verse 23, is more hardship. More hardship comes to the people of Israel. Once Pharaoh, excuse me, Aaron and Moses make their appeal to Pharaoh, Pharaoh laughs at them, he belittles the Lord, he says he will not let the people go, and he puts more bondage and more suffering upon the people. Basically, he says, you will have to do the same work with no provision and no supplies with harsher punishment for failing. So, so Pharaoh puts stricter suffering and more hardship upon his people. Not only that, but, but Pharaoh had appointed Israelites to be foremen over groups of Israelites, and he began to physically torture the foremen when the people failed to carry out their work. So what happens to the people of Israel when God makes his, excuse me, when God makes his appeal through Moses and Aaron is that more hardship is the result. And so by the end of the chapter, we see in verse 15 that the people of Israel are disappointed in Pharaoh because of the harsher suffering. We see in verse 21 that the people of Israel are disappointed in Moses and Aaron because of the harsher suffering. Verse 21 says, They said to them, Moses and Aaron, The Lord look on you and judge, because you've made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. And then third, we see that they are disappointed in God himself. By the end of the chapter, in chapter 5, verse 22 Moses and Aaron have joined the people of Israel in their disappointment. And they cry out to the Lord and they say, Why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to his people and you have not delivered your people at all. So the chapter ends with God's people suffering in hardship, frustrated and disappointed and wondering what is going on. So before we move beyond that, let's just pause for a minute. And let's recognize this. Hardship is hard. You're like, really, man, you got me out of bed this morning to tell me that hardship is hard? Yeah. Yes. Because often I, I feel like we read stories like this and we're quick to spiritualize them and we're quick to say, well, oh, but, but in your beatings, you should have seen what was really going on and had more confidence in God. True, but you also were beaten and it hurt and it was horrible and it was suffering. 
When they took away your supplies and said, be scattered and go find your supplies and build the bricks and have no time delays and be tortured for failing, this is real hardship and suffering. It's really important for us here in the gathering of God's people to recognize that the work of God does not always go easily. Just because the Lord called you to it doesn't mean that it will not be difficult. And frankly, that leads to the second point. Hardship in a fallen world is the norm when we're doing the work of the Lord. Hardship in a fallen world is the norm when we're doing the work of the Lord. So think about what Moses and Aaron were doing. They were going to the most powerful leader in the world and saying, hey, th- those people that you have in bondage that, that are helping prop up your economy, like, like, like you should just let them go. Well, of course he's going to revolt against that, humanly speaking. That's a threat. Pharaoh also viewed himself to be a deity, to be a god, to be worthy of worship. And so they're going to him and they're saying, hey, in the name of this other God, the one true God who always is and always will be, I want you to let my people go. Well, of course he's not going to bow down to that. He actually says, I I don't know this God that you speak of. Why should I defer to him? The hardship here isn't surprising. The hardship here is what is expected. Now, let's move forward for a second. What does that mean for us? I mean, because God's not telling us to buy a plane ticket and go to Egypt and tell the leader of Egypt to let the Israelites go. But if we belong to Christ, then we've been commissioned to join him by the Spirit in his work to build his kingdom. So the work of evangelism and missions and outreach is the kingdom work that we're called to be a part of. The work of faithful obedience in our lives and in our families is the work that we're called to be a part of. The work of of pursuing justice and mercy and walking humbly before our God in in our lives and as much as we can in our world is the work that we're called to be a part of. We do that in the name of Christ, empowered by the Spirit of Christ for the glory of Christ. And so have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, you know, you're in small group and we've been praying about outreach and you're finally like, I'm going to go across the street and I'm going to meet my neighbor and I'm going to invite them to church. And so you go knock on the door and they like slam the door in your face. Does that happen to anybody besides me? Such Kingdom work is always faced with opposition in a fallen world. And we must recognize that that is actually the norm. The passages that were read earlier for us throughout this service scream that that's the norm. And then we must recognize that such hardship is hard. It is hard to faithfully represent the Lord in the Lord's world. But rather than being disappointed in God and disappointed in others, 
the Lord would call upon us to trust him and wait for him and cry out to him and seek to follow him. What happens in Exodus 5 is not all that different than what happens any time the people of God take up the calling to do the work of God in this fallen world. I could stop there, and that feels like a nice, tidy sermon, but there's one more thing that we need to get. And that's the, the third point this morning, which was the second point the first hour, but I'm editing as we go here, okay? Um, that's why that says number three, disappointed, and now number two, unexpected. It's because this change was unexpected, right? Back there in the back, okay, there we go, yeah. Unexpected, question mark. Perhaps if you were Moses or you were Aaron or you were the people of Israel, you would say, how did this happen? You called me, you sent me, you promised me success, you promised us victory, and it was going so well until we got to Egypt and then it all fell apart. How did this happen? It's really important that we remember that it happened this way because that was exactly what God had told them would happen. God told them before they went that the hardship would come before Pharaoh. And everything that happens in chapter 5, God promised would happen. Exodus 3 verse 19 God said, I know that the Pharaoh will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in that. After that, he will let you go. So when will God let them go? After there's opposition and after God strikes them with his mighty hand. Okay, maybe that's a little too vague, so let's be clearer. Exodus 4.21, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. What's God saying to Moses? When you go to Pharaoh, there will be opposition and there will be hardship, but I will deliver you in the end. That's what God is saying. And so, okay, Jamie, what do we do with that? We make sure that our expectations are shaped by God's word and not by what we expect. We make sure that our expectations in the work of the Lord are shaped not by what we expect, but by what God has given us in his word. And I believe that's what the Lord means in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when he says, in the word you have everything you need for life and godliness. He's saying, let the word shape your expectations and not what you want or what you expect from the Lord. One more thing. Moses and Aaron didn't exactly do what God told them to do. They tried to soften the message and make it a little more palatable. Look with me at verse 2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? 
I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Verse 3, then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So far, they're good. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. So, so what did Moses and Aaron say to Pharaoh? Hey, let us go or else God's going to judge us. But that's not what God said. Look at, go back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. God said, You and the elders of Israel should go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So they got that part right. Now look at chapter 4, verse 22. And after you say that, then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel my firstborn, is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So what did God invite them to do to Pharaoh? He invited them to draw a line in the sand and say, Pharaoh, I will show my power over you. And it's like they went to a Dale Carnegie class somewhere between Midian and Egypt, and they tried to win Pharaoh over by softening the message. And it never does us any good to soften the truth of what God has said. Now, we can say it with love. We can say it with compassion. We can say it with gentleness, but it is the word of the Lord that he carries out. And it is by the word of the Lord that his deliverance always comes. So was this unexpected? No, not at all. God gave them clear vision in his word of what would happen and he gave them the exact words to say to carry forth his work. And so as we wrap up Exodus 5, let's just remember that what we need for a life of godliness is given to us in the word of the Lord. And the message of the kingdom of God is given to us through Jesus, who is the word of the Lord. And it would behoove us to be a people who are shaped by the word, whose expectations are shaped by the word, whose hope is shaped by the word, and who speak the words that God has given us to speak. They're recorded for us in the scripture. So as we, as we seek to wrap all this up, this story ultimately points fallen people like us to Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the deliverer of God. Jesus is the hope of God's people. Jesus is the one who makes a way for God's people. And what we see in this passage is that we need Christ. We need him. If you read this in light of the totality of the scripture, if we're not children of God by faith in Jesus, then we here are not aligning with and identifying with the Israelites. 
but rather we are Egypt. We are Pharaoh. We are enemies of God. Jesus himself told Nicodemus that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again through faith. So we need Christ. And today I would invite you to consider your need of Jesus. And if we're in Christ, if we are the people of God, then what this passage tells us is that a life of godliness, a life of holiness, a life pursuing the kingdom, a life working in mission, a life thinking of justice and mercy and compassion for the glory of Jesus will always face hardship in a fallen world. But as much as it is the work of God, he will carry out his word through his people and we hope in him and wait on him. So I invite you to be a people who are shaped by the word and who look to the Lord who is the great I am to be the deliverer of his people. So Father, we pray now that you would speak your word to your people and accomplish it in our midst. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Help us to walk with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.